Um, okay, so let's get started. First, I wanted to personally thank you for taking your time out of your busy schedule to meet with me, you know, and we met on LinkedIn, but I'm glad that we get to connect here. Um, and I'm just super thankful. So I wanted to send you my appreciation first and foremost. So thanks a bunch. That's my pleasure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So let's get started. Um, let's tell the people who may be watching this one day uh, who you are, where you're from, how you got started and what you're doing. Okay, so I, as you can hear from my accent, I'm a Brit. Yes, I love I'm that. Wales originally, but I don't sound very Welsh. I sound more English than Welsh. Long story behind that. We won't go into that now. I came to the States in 1992, right after the Gulf War. That's another long story. Uh, and I came to Minnesota initially, and I did a second master's degree back then at Northwestern. Um, and it was in an international master's in mass communications. And that kind of led me through TV. And eventually I woke up one day and said, it's really fun being in TV. Uh, but really, I've got two master's degrees in international mass communications and marketing and MBA. I need to do something else. And ended up working for a company out of St. Paul, Minneapolis, in the convention and exhibition industry. That led me to a board position in the World Trade Centers here in New York, and the company did a corporate relocation. And so I ended up in New York at the World Trade Center. And my office was blown up, uh, obviously, on 9-11, and that led to a complete change in my life. As you can tell, I'm fairly old. Um, back then, I had got to the stage where corporate positions for a woman, especially, were not over in abundance so i thought what can i do and i woke up one day and said i'll be a realtor everybody laughed at me and now i'm laughing at them <laughs> yeah clearly so they laughed like they they just said hey you're not going to do this or this isn't possible for you how did that go uh, uh, they laughed at me basically because they felt i was overqualified to be a realtor <laughs> <laughs> uh, it doesn't take a rocket science to be a realtor. Just about anybody can become a realtor uh, as long as you can pass the tests, the exams, and the state tests, and then the board exams. And they're not difficult, in all honesty, they're really not. So anybody can get a real estate license. It's how you use that license that's mm. the key. Um, so if you want me to exasperate on that, I'll exasperate on that. Please I do. Will, uh, yeah. So, are you editing this? <laughs> I know, so. No, we will, don't worry. <laughs> so the word is extrapolate. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it's early morning here in New York. <laughs> so, I became a realtor and I very quickly discovered I didn't really like this industry. Mm. Um, so, I wanted to do something different. And it took me 10 years as a realtor learning about the industry uh, to actually go to the next stage of actually becoming a broker and a founder and owner of my own company. And the reason behind that was really so I could do real estate differently, which was our tagline, is our tagline, real estate done differently for global property systems. And the global comes in from, obviously, I'm international. My business has been a lot of international. We have offices in Europe and Asia. Um, we do a lot of international business and now we do business in crypto, but I don't want to harp on crypto because it's the blockchain that's really made the difference mm -hmm. in there. 
Uh, and it came about from crypto transactions. Mm-hmm. But I'm getting ahead of the curve on your questions. Would you? No, like that's to fine. Ask? So about you know, re- like real estate and pretty much eating dirt and you know taking the beatings and the lashings and the losses of like, hey, I'm a woman and I'm trying to do this in a man's world, quote unquote. What like level of grit did you have to develop to be able to get to where you are now? Well, I think my background really gave me the impetus and the uh, the foundation yeah. to move forward as a business owner and to found your own brokerage in a market of mega brokerages is not easy. To be mm. an independent and keep your independence is not easy. You have the mega brokerages knocking on your door, figuratively speaking, every day, saying, we want to come in and take you over. We can make you bigger, better. We'll call your agents if you're not interested, and they'll come to us, and then you'll have to come to us. It's doggy like, dog? That, that hasn't happened. So, I mean, wow. they've, they've knocked on my realtor's doors, my agent's doors, for sure and made them offers that seemingly they couldn't refuse, but they did. Ooh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> but I'm very happy. Very stressful to have those companies come after you, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're all about being agent-centric and growing the number of agents. And we're all about being client-centric and growing the number of clients. Mm. Which is how real estate should be. It's about the end user who is the homeowner or the buyer that wants to become a homeowner. And hmm. there are the people that pay us in the end of the day. So that's where we have focused on. And that's really led me into the blockchain world and transparency and security. Oh, my gosh. Um, before we get into blockchain, why would most real estate entities be into being agent-based instead of client-based? So they're growing because typically in these mega companies, whose names I won't mention, because right. uh, they'll probably come after me. But they're mega companies. They're known as mega companies. And they like to take over small companies to bring them in and absorb the company's business to bring in the agents uh, because each agent pays a desk fee or some sort of fee or training. They make money from the agents, not typically by the commissions which is historically traditional real estate. You make money from the commissions that the uh, agents earn when they sell or buy a property with their buyers buy a property, and you take a cut of those commissions. These mega companies have grown enormous, so they take smaller commissions, but numbers build that, that price up. But then they offer their agents training or all sorts of incentives, but that all costs money. And if you actually do the math, it makes more sense to be a small independent than it does to be part of a mega and give most of your money away to the mega agency. Right, just to fund their brand. If it sounds too good to be true, it usually is too good to be true. (laughs) Well, I think that's why a lot of people are afraid of, you know, blockchain and cryptocurrency in general. Can you explain how you got introduced to the blockchain and what that technology has done for you? Yeah, so it's, a, it's I'll try and keep it nice and tight. So about seven years ago, um, in my international business, 
I had been to Greece and I had met a gentleman who had huge warehouses and wanted to sell them, but he didn't want the money he earned from the sale to stay in Greece because the banking system there wasn't allowing people to take their money out once it was in the bank. Mm. So he wanted to sell, he needed to sell, but he did not want to bank the money in Greece. So he said to me, do you have any ideas? And at that time I didn't, but maybe a year or so later, I had been talking, in fact, I presented uh, at a conference in China. And from that, I had a conglomerate of investors from China say they were trying to get money out of China at the time when they could. But they wanted to do it through cryptocurrency. And back in then, it was Bitcoin. And I had no idea what was going on. Uh, luckily, my son-in-law, who is a yacht captain for a very, very wealthy billionaire family, he I knew that the family office that he worked for uh, knew about crypto and you know everything crypto. So I went to him and said, can I speak to them? And that led to me speaking to an attorney in the Cayman Islands who did the transaction. So the Chinese bought the warehouses and it was done in crypto and it was actually changed into fiat and banked outside of Greece. I'm not going to say where. Yeah, no. <laughs> that led to back-to-back -back transactions with the Chinese because they were desperate to get money out. And they mm. were changing fiat into crypto, doing transactions. And then the people that were selling the uh, properties to them were being paid in fiat. So I didn't know what was going on. And I was terrified the SEC were going to come knocking on my door. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Um, and I didn't necessarily trust the attorney in the Cayman Islands. For obvious reasons, I don't know. Right, like, right. It just sounds sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so I tried to find out what this crypto was all about, and mm -hmm. nobody could really tell me. And everybody your age and younger and even older were talking in acronyms, and I, I was all going over my head. Uh, I went to the National Association of Realtors. I went everywhere asking, how do I learn about this? Nobody really had the answer. So I did some research myself and found a blockchain innovation technology and application course at MIT. So I took that course and uh, <laughs> they, they took me because I had the two master's degrees and I did really well in that course. And I, I now can write <laughs> algorithms. I know what all the acronyms stand for. Yeah. And then I had to really work on, okay, now that I know how this works, how do I get it out to the industry? And all of a sudden, into my life came this company called Proppy, and they were doing crypto uh, certified for realtors, a certification for realtors called cryptocurrency certification. Mm -hmm. And there was another company that was doing blockchain certifications in real estate. So I did both of those, and it still didn't make sense to me. It was like, okay, so why am I doing this? Uh, but then I had the ability to use this proppy blockchain and I woke up one day and said, wait a minute, what if I put the Genesis hash into the MLS and that means that every offer that comes in on one of our listings goes on blockchain with all the associated 
paperwork. And it meant that we could share that information with the seller. And the weirdest thing about real estate is you would think when you trust the keys of your house to the person that you list the house with, mm -hmm. that they would tell you everything. Not necessarily so. And that is where I am now really trying to disrupt the industry with blockchain providing transparency in real estate is up until now as a buyer, if you put an offer on a house and you're told no, you'll never be told why no. If you say, well, what have I got to beat? You won't necessarily be told what you have to beat. Right. With blockchain in the mix, you don't have that problem anymore. We can go back. And it's a win-win because if you're the seller and you can see all the offers on the table, not just the ones your realtor wants to show you, <laughs> then you have the ability to say, okay, well, this offer suits me more than this offer, even though it's not quite as high as this offer. Right. But it suits me higher. Then you can go back to the, the other offers and say, well, this is what's going to win them the house. Do you want to better that? Can you meet their terms? So it gives them the opportunity. So you can either come up financially or can come up in terms or you can drop things off, off the table. And it makes sense for everybody. It's a win-win-win. Everybody wins. And it's so hard to explain to people that blockchain isn't crypto and crypto isn't blockchain. Oh. So you one without the other and not the other without the one. So No, you're <laughs> preaching to the choir. So I'm now teaching blockchain to at the CE, continuing educational level to many states. Yeah. And it's so interesting when I fly into these um, cities like Minneapolis and I, I'm in a room of 150 people and they want to start talking about crypto. And I'm like, no, I'm here to explain blockchain. And they say, well, what's the difference? Mm. <laughs> Satoshi Nakamoto, uh, whoever invented this, <laughs> needs to be because they're market. They weren't marketers because calling blockchain and Bitcoin the similar, so similar, people are so confused. Right, right. They're not ubiquitous or synonymous with each other. Absolutely. And you to explain that, you say so. A cryptocurrency was invented, and that was the most brilliant thing on earth, I'm sure to invent a cryptocurrency for all the reasons that we know about. Right. Uh, or you and I know about. I'm not even going to go into it. But to get this cryptocurrency from China to Greece, I had to have a way of getting it from there to there without going through the normal channels of the banking system. Hmm. So they came up with blockchain. So blockchain is what the, it's a railroad, if you like, that the cryptocurrency train runs on. That seems to get across to most people's brains. Yeah, that's a great way to explain it. And I also want to touch on um, that a lot of that detailed information that may get hidden gets digitally put into the code in the contract that gets sent over to the end user, correct? Absolutely. So it's the way the coding is done and the way the contracts, the, uh, the digital contracts are evolved that makes the most sense. Mm. Uh, and therein lies a problem because we need more software developers, we need more people <laughs> writing the code. Um, so we need youngsters like yourself who don't understand what we need because you haven't lived enough life yet. Right. But you need to talk. We need to have these conversations with people like you 
so that you know what's needed to make the difference with this technology moving forward. So I have two little grandsons, four and three, and I keep telling my daughter, make sure that they learn coding. <laughs> yes, it's going to be like writing English papers. And I tell that to everybody who doesn't pick up a computer. Yeah, so now, instead of writing cursive, which they don't teach at school anymore, they have to learn code. It's, it's got to be the way, or it's probably going to be something different by the time they're in their teens. Possibly. Very possibly. I don't know. But just like we all learned the internet, who way back in the beginning of the 2000s, we thought the dot-com crash, and what the hell is this thing? We don't understand it at all. And now we put our, our cards into a machine, and it goes, diddly -dee, and off it goes. <laughs> and that goes out of my bank internet. That's blockchain, essentially. Yeah. We don't care how it works, only that it does work. And we trust it, right? We put our card in these machines, we tap the machines, we tap our phones with the machines. We trust it. It's just because I believe that people don't understand it and they're seeing the media go on about crypto and all the bad things that they don't trust blockchain because they mix the two together. And rightfully so. There is a lot of um, scams out there. You know, it's happened to me before. Um, just trying to get into the weeds of all of it. Um, but I want you to explain and kind of touch on why it's important for GPS to have this, because that was one of the big differentiators between what I saw in other real estate entities and what you own. Well, it's, it's going back to the basics. It's providing the transparency that should be in real estate. Uh, hmm. And the, uh, the example I gave you a few moments ago of if I'm a listing agent and you've trusted me as a homeowner, to list your home to sell it. You want me to get the most money possible and you want me to sell it on your terms, which means I want to leave not right away, but maybe in four months because I want to get my kid through high school before I leave. But I'm gonna put it on the market now because it's a good time. And you give me the keys to the door and what does the agent typically do? They invite every Tom, Dick or Harry in to an open house on Sunday and you're told to leave your house and we don't do open houses because mm. we say anybody that comes in your house, we will verify them first of all. Uh, so we get everything onto the blockchain. We get all the digital uh, information we know about the people who want to come and see your house. That includes a realtor. We have electronic lock boxes so we can track who's in your house and when. So you guys verify the, the listees on the blockchain first. We verify the people coming into your house. Wow. And we put it onto the blockchain. That's a, so, wow. And then you, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, know who's in your house, what time they're going to be in your house, who they are, who they're with, who is licensed with them. <laughs> and when they, we know that and they use these electronic lock boxes, we are insured, which is more the point. Whereas if you use the old, um, the, the manual lock boxes, combo lock boxes, they're called right. in the industry. Those are not safe at all. I would never use one of those for my clients. It's like saying, okay, anybody just come in the house. Yeah, it's, it's too easy to break. Well, they're easy to break. And typically you have to give the person the code. Who do you know who that person is? You don't know. We have to verify those agents are agents in the first place. And the only way to do that is to use these incredibly sensible electronic lock boxes 
Yes. So there's that. Then when you have an offer coming in from any agent, be it with our company or any other company, that goes on the blockchain as well with all the pertinent information. So the offer, how they intend to pay the offer, are they pre-approved, et cetera, et cetera. And that way, there's a, there's a spreadsheet, if you like, a digital spreadsheet of all the offers that come in, and they go to the seller who typically sees it before we do, because we've got multiple transactions going on. They've only got the one. Right. So they're excited. They call and say, I see the offer I came in. And then we can go back to all the offers and make sure that the people that are too low are put out, and then or they can come up. But the, the old-fashioned way is to ask for highest and best offer. Well, the highest isn't necessarily the best. It depends who you're, what the seller is actually looking for. Mm -hmm. So best and final offer is typical. But even then, in New York State, where I'm based, up until contracts are signed, and even until you close under state law, somebody can come in and bid higher or say something else and actually take that away from you. So you could actually be in contract. And then somebody else come along, which has happened to me over the years. Somebody's come along and said, well, that was my grandmother's house and I'm in California and I just realized it was on the market and I missed it. I have to have that house. I need to have that house. What can I do? So, but I'm getting away a little bit from the blockchain. So I'm going to go back. All these scenarios that can be made much clearer to people if they're all put on a spreadsheet, right. a digital spreadsheet, and how they came in and where they came in, etc. But going back to that open house, at the open house, you, you have, say, five people come in with offers in two hours. Okay? So you, the seller, comes back, and the agent said, oh, Great news. I've had four offers. She doesn't say five. I've had four offers <laughs> under the asking price, so I'm going to discredit them. But I had this couple come in, and they were absolutely in love with your house. They're willing to do whatever it takes. They're going to waive an inspection. They want to move in. They really want to move in within the next couple of months. They definitely want to be in by the end of the year, so now. And... You say, that's absolutely fantastic. And she said, well, they're, they're mine, and you already signed this thing saying you understand dual agency, right? They understand dual agency, that's fine. And you say, that's fine, okay. So she says, well, let's take it off the market then until we get to contract, and then they'll do the inspection. So that we're talking New York here. It happens differently in other states. Okay. So you say, that's fabulous, thank you very much. What she didn't say is that fifth offer was with another agent who came with her clients and they made another offer which was very similar to the one you presented. But had you presented that to your clients, it may have been slightly better, but you wouldn't have made the same amount. Mm. You've got both sides of the deal. So if you have to split your commission with the other agent, that's why blockchain makes it all very transparent. Mm. Plus, it keeps all your information secure. Oh, excuse me. No, that's something, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wanted to um, I wanted to piggyback off of what you were saying uh, because I used to sell insurance, um, and I understood how blockchain technology would be able to bolster the insurance process altogether. 
Um, so I'm saying all that to say I wanted to ask, um, how does New York real estate differ than any other real estate? Because I know in the Midwest, um, I was talking to a prominent real estate agent in Pickerington, Ohio. She said, cryptocurrency, blockchain, it'll never happen in real estate. And I was like, you, you're just wrong. Like, you just don't understand the equation and how it, it's going to future proof every business, not just real estate. So would you mind touching on that? Uh, well, I can talk about New York State because I know it. Okay. It's a litigious state. Uh, we're an attorney state. So what it means is when you get an accepted offer, we don't take escrow funds. Uh, we don't go to deposits until you go to contract. So when you get an accepted offer, then you do an inspection, and that allows the buyers to back out. But it also has that time lag where somebody else can come in with a better offer. Mm. So there's no way it's yours. So in other states, when you say, I'm going to buy this house, I'm going to put a deposit on it or escrow amount down, then it's yours until it goes to contract. And each state has slight, slightly different nuances. Uh, you can have an attorney review time, or you can have the some states, California, Florida, the agents actually write the entire contract. Did your light just go up? <laughs> yeah, I think it did. Uh, yeah, it's motion sensitive. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, here, everything is done by the attorney. So the contracts typically don't go out until after the inspection has been done because that's as an expense. So if there's negotiation that needs to be done after inspection, so say radon was found. Yeah. I don't know if you know radon gas, but radon gas is quite prevalent here in the States. And if you find radon, the buyer will say, well, Mr. Seller, you have to fix this before we go to contract. Will you fix it or won't you? And then once negotiations go on, if something is brought up, I don't know, like mold, for example, you can go back to the seller and say, will you fix this before we go to contract? Or won't you? Or, you know, if you give us uh, a deduction of what we originally offered, we'll fix it, but we'll still go to contract. So there's all sorts of negotiations that can go on between accepted offer and contract. Mm. Whereas in other states, you will go to contract, pay a deposit, and it's yours until after attorney review, or you go fully to contract and then do inspections. And now you honestly can't answer how they actually negotiate after the fact, other than contracts fall through. And the contract's not a contract until it's actually closed anyway. Right. Certainly, as I alluded to earlier, you can actually be in contract and someone else can come along and say, I'll pay off your your existing buyers. I want that house. Mm. And then it's up to the seller. Uh, and then you've got all sorts of um, legal ears that comes in. It's like uh, non-performing contracts, et cetera, et cetera. But it usually gets worked out by the attorneys, which in my opinion is rather nice because it gives us a buffer between the buyer-seller and the attorneys and the contracts. Whereas in other states, it's all down to the realtor. Gotcha. Which is quite an actual fact as a broker. <laughs> it, sound, it sounds like it. Having that third party just to even, you know, tell your issues to, you know what I mean? Like, hey, is there any way we can take care of this? Having that liaison would be best, in my opinion. It, it is, and it does depend on the, the attorney, of course, because attorneys, we say, can kill deals very easily. Mm. Uh, if you pick the wrong attorney, and most people 
don't consider that their attorney that they've used for everything. Oh, they, they did probate for my mother. They, they organize our, our estate moving forward. They put a trust on our house. So we're going to trust them to sell the house for, to the sale, but they're not real estate attorneys. So they don't know the necessarily, they don't know the rules right. of each different county. And in New York state, it's really important to know that. And it can cost you an awful lot of money. I've had people that said, oh, I've got an attorney in Manhattan and I'm going to use them. And they're on an hourly rate. Whereas typically for a real estate transaction, it's a set fee. Right. You don't have to pay. I've had people actually have to pay the attorney hundreds of thousands of dollars at closing. It's like, why? <laughs> so it's very interesting. Very interesting. There's all sorts of nuances that go on. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking on... Um paying out hundreds of dollars uh, to, to people who don't necessarily need it right then and there. Um, would you mind talking about how that type of deal making or networking or skill stacking helps you in what you do on your day-to-day uh, job responsibilities? Having those still stack, stacking abilities, kind of what I'm touching on is like being super nuanced and being able to do multiple things or bring a niche into a certain entity or industry to be able to kind of disrupt it, kind of like you're doing. It certainly helped me succeed mm -hmm. in this industry to have the background and education that I have. Yeah. And the ability to see the future, if you like, or be open to new ideas, like blockchain. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but having the the foundational skills of uh, having an MBA, for example, has really not gone amiss. The Masters in International Mass Communication, enormously helpful in growing my company globally. Uh, but typically negotiation skills. Now, back in my corporate days, I was lucky enough that my company sent me to Harvard Business School and I did contract negotiation, conflict resolution. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, really hasn't gone amiss. I mean, obviously, the more you learn in life, the more you're going to utilize it and succeed. Now I'm bootstrapping another company and it's starting again for something, but it's not something completely different. It's a need in the real estate industry to help seniors, as I am one. Mm. <laughs> uh, but this lack of housing for seniors. Uh, that's affordable, and I don't want to get into affordability because then a whole load of different paradigms come in. But people are stuck at this moment in time in huge homes that they really can't afford with massive taxes, which is money going into a black hole that they need, and they see that their finances are ticking down. It's finite. And they need something smaller, more, I want to say affordable, sustainable is a big word these days. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm getting into that as well right now. I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm founding a new company and that's all my background has led to doing this, but putting a team together is so hard. Can you please, Everybody, please can you talk about how good you are at building a team to get to this point? Multi, multi states, multi countries, you have to have team building ability. Please tell me. <laughs> but it's, it's a different type uh, of business. Mm -hmm. Getting real estate as a realtor for 10 years before I started a brokerage, became a broker and started a brokerage. Uh, so I had a lot of the basics of doing this industry and I knew what it took. 
to build a team and I brought in a team of agents with me that were very, very good, very, very ethical. And they followed my mantra, if you like, and they still do. Uh, and it's interesting to say that I have a number of former clients that now work for me as realtors. Nice. That is nice. Yeah. That's really nice. Um, and we do it differently. I mean, we do do it differently. But this new company, it's not so much blockchain. It's certainly not crypto because we're talking to mostly people over 65 about this. Um, so they don't get crypto at all. Right. Oh, excuse. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's such as taking everything that I've learned and using it again, but I still have to learn more about founding a company. Now I'm going to have to do a raise. I'm working with people that I've touched on in the real estate industry, like developers, contractors. Um, I know about land leases and you know, taxes and zoning, etc. So all of that will come into play. Mm -hmm we'll see how successful it is. I mean, um, I'm sure, I'm sure it will be. What we're trying to do, so you get the pushback, just like <laughs> blockchain and crypto is getting pushback because people don't understand it, therefore they say no. Well, I think, I think a lot of people are pushing back on ownership in general nowadays, um, especially going into an election year. I think a lot of that ideology is gonna be up for grabs. Um, there's gonna be a lot of low hanging fruit but would you mind uh, touching on the climate of ownership just nowadays in this climate uh, with owning a house or owning your own business? Why is it seemingly that people want to kind of either A, not be an owner at all or B, fake it till somebody gives them a check? <laughs> um, really interesting question. Really interesting question. A lot of people are owners and don't necessarily want to own what they own right mm. at this time. Uh, they bought them old, the older generations, uh, the boomers are a good example of this, your parents. Um, they bought a house, they raised their children, the children are now doing their own thing and out of the house and they're left with this big house. That big house has grown in value because typically real estate does grow in value. There's right. been only a couple of crashes, real crashes, right. as we know. But typically real estate is a very good, strong, sound investment. However, right, what we have right now is the interest rates caused people that own their home that have mortgages to refinance. Last year, the year before, we went down to two to three percent typically. Um, whereas they could have been paying 7 8% in the past. So they refinance their homes or they own their homes mm -hmm. outright. And where do you move to? You might want to, this big, this house is too big for me. I'm, it's costing me so much to heat. The oil has gone up. Um, whatever, uh, electricity, everything has gone up. And I really want to get my overhead. The tax is down. The taxes are too high. Everything needs to come down. I need to sell my house, but where am I going to move to? And right now, for example, if you had a 750,000 four bedroom, two and a half bathroom house, say, per se, and your taxes are in New York for that around 14,000. A month? 
Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I was like, whoa. <laughs> All multimillionaires. Um, no, but your taxes around fourteen thousand a month. That's a huge amount of money. Plus utilities. Yes. Going out. You want to get rid of this elephant round your neck. Oh, I'm sitting on your shoulder. <laughs> so. But if I were to sell that 750,000 house, I might actually get 800 right now because there's no inventory because everybody's got this same dilemma going on. So they're not selling the home, so there's nothing for buyers to buy. But the few buyers that are buying have cash. That's a whole different side of it. Right. So they, you have the opportunity to make a little bit more for your house if you're not greedy and go up first of all because then people aren't that stupid and they will make your price finally come down but if you price it right at the beginning you'll probably get more but what are you gonna buy what are you gonna buy because your 750 maybe eight for your four bedroom two bath two and a half bathroom house may now only buy you a two bedroom two bathroom house for the same money mm. or it's, it's crazy. Yeah, like, come on. <laughs> and if you have a mortgage at 2%, why would you, you can't move up. If, you, if you're if you a younger family and you've got, now you've got two children. When you bought the house, you have one on the way. Now you've got two children, maybe another one on the way, and you want to move up. But you've got a 2% mortgage, 3% mortgage to be more realistic. Mm -hmm. And now the mortgage rates are, well, they've been up to seven, they've come down, or they've been up to eight, they've come down a little bit now, but they're fluctuating, but they're above five, six. You can't afford to move up, so you're stuck in that house. So everybody's kind of stuck in home ownership at this moment of time. I'm not sure what it's going to take to free that up. To be right. honest, I'm not sure. Right. I, I'm not an economist. I mean, they, everybody likes to say good things about election years and, oh, it will free up, but... I'm not sure how that's going to happen in all honesty. Hmm. As for the rental crowd, we've all seen rents go up every, every three months oh. or so. <laughs> and rules have been put in place in each state to protect landlords and to protect tenants. Um, and still it goes on. The people are... It's not so easy here in New York to throw a tenant out just so I can get a new tenant in with a higher rate. As long as you pay and you're not in default, you have a much better chance for the court saying, no, he can stay here. He's paying us rent. Right. But when you get to the end of your contract or your lease, then where are you going to go? And you can you can go into the next phase. And like, what about the homeless? Yeah, what about those yeah. people? I mean, it, it, it's ad infinitum. Real estate is uh, it's like owning a funeral home if you like it's inevitable you're going to make business right but in real estate right now it's everybody seems to be stuck and i i'm not sure what it's going to take to free it up i think interest rates might have to come down but with inflation the way it is how wait i mean you get into politics no i'm not getting into politics <laughs> i refuse to discuss politics and religion no way not <laughs> we do we what don't do have to do it here So you to succeed in this business at this time, tenacity and the ability to uh, keep going, especially when certain rules are being put in place. You ask about New York. We have a rule here in New York at the moment 
uh, where we're not allowed to make cold calls, where traditionally we would cold call homeowners yeah. uh, to see if they were thinking about selling their business. Typically, people would have had their home on the market and it came off the market either because it didn't sell or you had a change of heart. And we would call those people. We're not allowed to do that at this moment in time. Our governor has forbidden realtors to do this. Though a lot of companies get away with it by having offices in different states. So they have those offices called New York. It's not, it's typical. You know, this yeah. is, is fraught with people breaking the, the rules. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's hard. It's really hard at the moment. So you've got to keep coming up with new ways to do business. Uh, my new way to do business is to get it out there that we are trustworthy because we do real estate differently by using the blockchain. Then you have to explain what is blockchain. And you go back to this horrible circle. It's Mm -hmm. like, no, it's nothing to do with crypto. We don't do crypto. (laughs) We we can do crypto, but we don't do crypto, especially not in New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just, there's so much going on at this moment. And I have to say, I'm going to just bring this in. Yeah. ChatGPT has been my right-hand man. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, please talk about it. It's so intriguing. I don't know when this is coming out, but this last week with Sam, Sam Altman and uh, OpenAI, it's been really intriguing to watch. Uh, but I'm like, please, 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 uh, what's next? It's so intriguing how in 365 days, so much has happened. Yes. And I can barely keep up with it, but it's phenomenal. I can't wait to see what happens next and how I can learn something new. And and that's for me, who's nearly 70, wakes up every morning saying, what am I going to learn today? Yeah, no, that's, that's a different type of mindset that people, you know, who are older kind of atrophy at that point. You know what I mean? Yes, definitely. And I think that could be a way of saying why I've been successful in real estate is because I'm very open to walking through an open door. That's how I describe it. Mm-hmm. So if a door opens, I'll walk through it. If I don't like what I find the other side, I can always step back and shut that door again. But if I never walk through it, I'll never know what was on the other side. Right. Whether it could be useful to me or even if I could learn how to use whatever's on the other side. Right. So I have to try. And I have to say that a lot of my friends and peers have said, ooh, ChatGPT, no, we don't use that. But aren't you terrified of that? I'm like, is it gonna take my job away? No, actually, it's gonna be so far ahead of the game. And I'm like, I have this personal assistant that I can now talk to. I can talk to it. I'm like, oh my God. Right. (laughs) You can even. The young people that are developing this, Everything that I could possibly have dreamed of, and when I see it and learn one thing, I say, if only it could do this, and the next day it, it does it. Does it. Yes. <laughs> it literally does it the next day or the next week. It's crazy. It's crazy, and it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And if you could just have the ability to just sit and try it and learn it, and it's not – people are like – well, how do you understand the prompts? I don't use prompts per se. I have discussions. Right. I just think there's somebody sitting next to me and I'm having a discussion. 
So it's not, to me, it's not about the prompts. And I obviously, I'm on LinkedIn, that's how we met. And I look at all these prompts and they're brilliant and a lot of them I look at and go oh I've never thought of doing that so I'll try that today uh, but typically I have a discussion and very often I'll see okay what am I going to write about today because at this moment in time it's getting my brand global property systems out there so I have to brand global property systems grow the brand grow the fact when you we're using technology to stay ahead of the curve. We're using technology to provide the transparency that our clients demand and should have. And at this particular time, the real estate industry is in a flux mm-hmm. because, I mean, there's been, you've probably read about the, there's been some class action suits. Uh, we've been fined, the National Association of Realtors is, it's, something's got to give. Something's got to change. And if you look at me writing on LinkedIn, it's about that. It's about how we can change, what we should be doing to change. Um, but it, it's learning these new things that help you. It's that aha moment, if you like. Right. Um, without understanding these, you're just may I think, I think the best way to do this is, if there's a day that I don't learn something new, that's the day I will start dying. Ooh, ooh, I love that. So, no, that's okay for me to say because I'm up there in age. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you would say the same thing, I don't know. But certainly, it's my peers, the boomers, the late boomers, who, if we don't stay ahead of the curve, we, we may as well just sit in front of the TV and just die. I think um, the people your age, you know, and a little bit young or younger than that, I think they they don't understand the power of their decision making. Like they're still decision makers. You know, what I mean, they still drive the country to a lot of the word or to a lot of the sense of what we're doing here. You know, so I think well, they're hindering. <laughs> yeah. So reason to be old before it's time to be old mm. who's 88 years old and phenomenal phenomenal she has a laptop she has an ipad she, I mean, she's amazing yeah no need to be old until you are old mm. where your brain mean. goes i think you have to keep your brain alive by keeping keeping it working and keeping evolving if you don't evolve then roll up and die true I wanted to touch on um, ChatGPT a little bit more. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with GPTs. Um, so for lack of a better term, right now, what they're acting as is somewhat of a like modular individualistic agent. So let's say I wanted to create a GPT that is a real realtor. I'd be able to program that and send it prompts to be able to send back industry-specific information. Um, are you aware of that at all? I'm aware of it. I'm trying to learn how that I can use that to the best of the bill of my ability mm-hmm. for my company. I'm not there yet, <laughs> but I'm intrigued. <laughs> I think the um, I think the getting there is being more um, apt to saying maybe in the micro like short term losses and wins than saying yes or being super gung ho on it. No. Um. Hold on one sec. My phone is going off. Yeah. Oh, no. It's gosh. okay. Um. I think as a, 
going off again. Sorry, somebody's trying to get hold of me. I hope you can edit this out. You're good. Um, I don't know how much more time we have left. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, mine goes on forever. No. <laughs> but to answer that question, I think it's it's just I've lost my place. Um, we there were we were mentioning what uh, GPTs and kind of those individual agents could do for the real estate injury, industry and GPS. Well, for GPS, the, the jury's out on where it's going to go because I don't understand enough of it yet. And I would say um, that's probably true of many people. I know that I have to rely on your age group to show me what's possible. You don't know what I need. So I can, if we have these conversations between the old and the young, hmm. Your technology ability and my grasp of life and industry, my chosen industry, and it can be any industry, then I can tell you, if I think about it, okay, well, if I could do this, this, and this, can you do that for me? Because I can't, but you can. But you can't do it until you know what's needed. Right. And that takes me back to 12 years ago when I started my company. I have a CRM, um, Customer Relationship Management, for those that don't know. Mm -hmm. And that company was developed, well, it was in, um, started and founded by a realtor. And he had his two young sons, neither are old enough to drink, who were writing the code for that CRM. But he was the one that said, if I had this, if I could do this, then... And they said, oh, we can do that, Dad. So one of them now works for Google. Dad sold the company after, I think, seven years for $250 million. Whoa. Yep. Uh, brilliant, brilliant company. I'm still with them. They're fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but way back at the beginning, I'm a founder member. Um, they would fly me to Atlanta, where they're based, to sit on beanbags in a dark room and talk to the young developers. And that's happening again. I'm actually going in the new year. That's so because important. Because we've, we've lost sight of that because uh, they've become too corporate now. They came so big. Mm -hmm. But now they're, they're taking me back because it's exactly these conversations yes. that lead to... We need these conversations. You can't discredit us because we're old and we can't discredit you because you know what you're doing with technology but you need what we know to make it even better right and i realized when i was your age probably younger i was an executive a junior executive at british airways wow and i remember getting into an elevator with the ceo and his entourage and being pushed into the corner at the back and like quiet and there was no way they would even acknowledge my existence. Wow. That's changed. I mean, life has changed. Yeah. But I think we have to keep evolving in every way we can and use technology to its best advantage, not be frightened of change. We've, we've got to all work together to embrace change and make it work for everybody and mankind. That's one of the things I'm fascinated with um, GPS with like, you're really 
like I, I'm assuming everybody who works for you is just as gung ho about real estate and about future proofing GPS as you are, because there's no way they could hear you talk and not be motivated to go run through a wall. Like literally, this is it's so amazing. Uh, my, my team, uh, they're very much on board with mm -hmm. what I. Um, that's why they haven't gone to those other big companies who dangle carrots in front of them, right. because they believe that what we're doing is the right way of doing real estate and that we can make a difference. And that's the goal. Um, and hopefully we can. Oh, you have already. If you're, if you're talking to a guy like me about GPTs, yes, <laughs> you, you are making that huge difference. Um, I wanted to ask uh, just one or two more questions before you hop off. Um, I know that a lot of people that I talk to uh, over here in the Midwest, they want to start their own thing or they have their own thing started already. Um, but they're coming to me and it's not like I have too much um, experience or expertise in any matter, but they're asking me like, Hey, how do I get to the next level of what I do? Whether it's real estate, whether it's selling lemonade, whether it's making videos. Um, can you kind of touch on the mindset that needs to be had to continue to progress your business and to scale it? The entrepreneurial mindset, essentially. Well, I can tell them one thing. If they get ChatGPT or AGPT at this moment in time, that will help them. Yes. Hopefully. Like, what do I need to do? Can you lay out a plan for me? Um, those, we have that conversation with your GPT, and they will lay it out for you what you need to do to scale. Um, I know I'm using it all the time. It's like, how do I do a race? <laughs> yeah, simple things. I haven't actually had to do in the past, but I can just go back. Oh gosh, I wish I could go back to school right now because I have this thing that can help me learn so much faster and help me just plan. I want to write a business plan. I want to write a pitch, all those things. It will tell you how to do it. I'm writing a book right now. What do I need to do to make this book successful? Have you thought about it? It will tell you. Hmm. So it's not necessarily what I can tell you because I can't tell you everything about every industry at all. All I can say is use the technology that we have at fingertips right now to help you learn what you need to do and get to the next level. If you haven't had an education, we've got this thing out there that will help you. It's phenomenal. Yeah. YouTube University, <laughs> a lot of it. Yeah. Anything. What are you failing at? What do you need to know? What am I doing wrong? I'm doing this. It will ask you. It will say, well, give me this information. And don't give it the information. It will come back at me. Have you thought about this? It's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. It's better than any lecturer I ever had at uni. It's like I um I went to college in 2015. So it's like 10 years from now. I graduated 2015 from high school, went to college 2015. And the technology just in that eight years, it's completely flipped the film industry. It's completely flipped even real estate. It's completely flipped um, Microsoft service provider businesses. Like it's everything has changed. And I don't think people are ready for that. Um, like we're still getting kind of used to the. Self to absorb, for example, I write blogs. So now when I have an idea for a blog, I say, this is my idea for this blog. Uh, give me an outline. So it will give me, and it will break it down, write it this way. And then I can write the blog. So give me a headline, give me a meta, give me an excerpt, give me 10 tags without hashtags, comma delineated. 
It will do all that in seconds. Boom, done. And then I'll say, okay, that's a really good blog. Um, give me Dal E. Have a graphic name for me. Yes. Boom, done in seconds. Like, whoa, I didn't have to go onto Canva or wherever and do this. And it, I've got a fairly decent can Actually, you're standing out. You can see <laughs> if you follow my Instagram, you can see where I started them. I will. Um, um, it's so fun. And then you say, okay, let's make a video of this. Give me a video script. Uh, give me a video script where I don't necessarily want to be on camera because I hate myself on camera. <laughs> You look beautiful. Just whatever you ask, it will give you an idea. Hmm. Um, and it's like me founding this new company. I know a lot about a little of founding a new company, if you like. But GPT is really helping. Right. It gives you... It gives you an idea. Sorry to cut you off. It gives you an idea. It does not give you the answer. And I wanted to say that and make that super clear. Well, absolutely. And But you have to be able to use it. And that's just being open to ideas and asking, what do I need to know? I'm not going to do this because what should I do? And then it will tell you. And then it's up to you to take those ideas and say okay well this doesn't work for me but this may let's say let's expand on this idea so it's all about the ability to expand your ideas in your world mm. like and you have this person that's person probably like a, a stick to a blind man where he's finding his way that's that's, our, that's great yep uh, we're finding our way using this technology and it's the most amazing thing. You will feel your way through it if you give it a chance. Mm. That's all I can say really about GPT. <laughs> Great monologue. Great Use monologue. it. I, I don't think it will abuse us. I, I think there's too much at stake to lose for those companies. If, if, it goes the way of FTX, for example. Yeah. It will be done. People won't use it. But if they can keep it honest and above board, and I think the security aspects people are frightened of, it's sharing the information you're giving it with other people. Um, I was actually having that conversation the other day with somebody that's in vulnerability and uh, security yeah. for a major company. And... They have too much to lose to go that route. And there's too much information being thrown. I don't know how they sift through it, but of course these computers are crazy. <laughs> I think it's that fear that's holding a lot of people back. The fear of the unknown. But that's always been the way we grow, is fear of the unknown. So open that door and walk through it. You can always step back and shut the door. I love that. I love that ideology. Uh, let's see. Did I have any more questions? I did not. Did you have anything you wanted to uh, send or plug or send off before before we kind of wrap things up here? Uh, you were going to ask a question about Fiabsi. Yes, yes. So I did see 
uh, that you were elected to a two-year term back in 2019 to be the Secretary General. Can you kind of explain what uh, FIAPSI is and what a Secretary General does for FIAPSI? Well, uh, FIAPSI is an international organization of real estate professionals. And that doesn't mean realtors necessarily, real estate agents or brokers. It can be anybody in the real estate industry or associated with it, like architects, developers, contractors, investors anybody and it's not international um they have national organizations but it's an international it's based out of paris um it was very good for me to be a member as i was growing my company i became a member of fiancé back in 2012 and i formed uh, global property systems um actually i think i was a member before i actually formed my company i was but um Essentially, FIABSI, as it did me a lot of good because you travel and you meet people internationally and you make connections. And essentially, real estate is all about networking. A lot of business in real estate industry is referrals from other people that you've met somewhere along the line and right. they refer them to you. So when you're in the international arena, knowing people, internationally helps i have the added value if you like and of coming from an international industry i started with british airways i had always been international uh, i had 30 years behind me before i even got into real estate of international so i had a lot of networking possibilities of people not in the real estate industry that i had helped in business throughout the eight ages and those are the people that really helped me internationally so you never know i think is what you what i'm trying to say here you never know where it's not who you meet it's what you do with who you've met does that make sense that made perfect sense yeah that made perfect sense <laughs> uh, and you don't have to be international to do that it can be anybody you've met at school at college uh, in real estate, that's your sphere of influence. It's your people you know. And don't use and abuse them. Don't say, I expect you to do business with me, but cultivate those friendships. There's a, a really good app that I'm using at this moment in time called Nextdoor. Hmm. You heard of Nextdoor? Hmm. It's neighborhoods. And it's, I think it was essentially started as like an Angie's list. Okay. To, as people helping neighbors with who's your plumber, I need a plumber and who's your electrician, but it's got bigger than that. And I found it to be a very nice way of connecting more so than a Facebook or an Instagram or all the others that have kind of got out there. This is not asking me to make ads, uh, et cetera, but I'm having real conversations with real people and making real life friendships. I went out for dinner yesterday with somebody I met on next door. It's lovely. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> so, that, I mean, it, but it's always, it's about this sort of conversation. Good heavens. I'm talking to you. How old are you? <laughs> 20, 26. <laughs> yeah, 26. My grandson, which is so exciting. Isn't this lovely? I love it. I love you so much. <laughs> I talk to you. I think it's absolutely marvelous. Well, thank you. Thank yes, you. thank you as well. I got to come visit you guys in New York next year. 
Anytime. We've got spare bedrooms. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'll make that a point. Um, I believe that's all I had. If you wanted to send uh, send anybody off or, you know, plug your plug where you are, where people can find you, where they can find GPS, and then we'll head out of here. So uh, I'm Vanessa at Global Property. Oh, God, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Uh, at GPS for Global Property Systems house, like you live in a hunt, you go hunting for houses. So I'm in real estate. So Vanessa at Global Property Systems is not right. It's Vanessa at GPS House Hunt. You can find us at gpshousehunt.com because it will go to Global Property Systems. Everything feeds into everything else. I think you've done that right. Um, but LinkedIn, find your LinkedIn. Vanessa Saunders. Uh, Global Property Systems is on all of the sites, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, you name it, we're out there. Um, we are marketing professionals after all. Yep. So, but me personally, LinkedIn, I think is probably the best way to get hold of me. You're a monster on there, Vanessa. You're doing great. You're doing great. Thank you very much. So you, I hope all the very best here and thank you so much for reaching out to me. I'm honored, deeply honored. Deeply honored as well. Somebody at your level speaking to little old me, I can't complain. <laughs> if ever you want a job in real estate, let me know. Oh, no, no. We'll be in touch. <laughs> we'll okay. be in touch. Yeah.